0: Because the next day,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I actually start to think about that. I was like, "Oh, maybe, he's re- maybe he has forgotten about it." But yeah, no, you remember. If you sure. don't feel
0: comfortable with this being on the podcast, I'll cut. Nah, it. no, no, no it's, good, it's good, it's good, it's good. It's <laughs> <cool>. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Deus Ex Comedian. My name is Ryan Bussell, I'll be your host. I am an American living in Sweden since 2006 and a comic since 2011. On this podcast, I'll be talking to comics who have retired, uh, or they're taking a long break, or they simply quit the grind, and they're happy to perform just a handful of times per year. So what made them slow down or even stop performing altogether? Is there anything about the grind that they miss? Most importantly, without approval from drunk strangers, how instead do they fill that dark hole inside where a soul should be? Let's find out. Okay, well for my first guest, I am very happy to have uh, the Joe Rogan of Sweden, (laughs) Paul Devaya. Thank you. Thanks Paul for meeting me. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming to my place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. it's very very cool. We actually did not plan for this at all. Um, But for me, I didn't realize today would be St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. And that is really appropriate because today marks for me 15 years living in Sweden. Oh really? And it's also my 10-year anniversary in stand-up. Oh, wow. Although I barely performed last year, so I'm <laughs> not sure I should count this. But everyone would, so, yeah, yeah. screw it, I'm going to count this, so ten years in stand-up. I want to say gratis, though. Oh, thank you. talk to me, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I do speak Swedish, but... Uh, I know, I know. Yeah, but, nah, not now. Okay. No. <laughs>
1: Take it in English. <laughs>
0: yes, no problem. But it's cool to be here. Uh, I want to yeah. explain just a little bit of background of what I'm actually doing here. Sure. So, like I said, it's been, been ten years since I started. And in the last year, I barely performed. Uh, um, I could, but I don't really feel like it. And I haven't quit, because I am, I am planning to start again or performing again uh, when the pandemic's over, want to open a club again. Mm. I'll do all of that. But I'm not in any hurry to do it either. No. And I, I don't miss it really at all, <laughs> which I find very fascinating because I, I, I fell in love with Sam when I was 11 years old, and I don't feel any less passionate about it now than I ever did. And yet, I'm not. I'm missing that drive to go do it. So you know, the last year I've done nothing. I've been unemployed. I've done nothing for last year. But I've thought a lot about people who have quit that I've known. Yeah. I mean, I've known so many people who either just quit completely. I think I've long before Corona hmm. quit completely, or just people I saw like have, like several nights a week, but then suddenly just didn't see them anymore. Mm-hmm. And I was always very fascinated by them. And I was thinking about you in particular, because you were the first person that I really made an impact on me. Because yeah. I met you about, it was the summer after I started. So the summer of 2000, that's when I started going to Mafia Comedy. Yeah. I met you sometime then. And I was like, just getting to the point that like, rookie club owners were saying yes to me more than they were saying no. <laughs> so that's like really just started like performing a lot. And by the end of my first year, I was performing like five to 10 times a week. Yeah. Like that was like the beginning of like, my peak period. I held that pace for a long time. And for you, like from from my point of view, seeing you, like you were hosting very often. I was like living in mafia that you were hosting very often. You had your own podcast, with our comics. You were running club of your own, your own shows. Yeah. And then one day you just stopped cold. <laughs> I was like, how can you just stop like that? <laughs> like like, for, like from from my point of view, like you were like exactly where that's really, like, you. Like everyone would say yes to you if you wanted to spot. Like you're doing well. Yeah. The podcast thought was popular, and then you just. I just quit. Yeah. I just So, quit. The, so we'll get to what the hell happens. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. It's a
1: long story. Seven years. No, I don't know. But I mean, it, um, I've thought a lot about, about standup. And I think there are many things that are kind of important to understand why I stopped. I think the first one for me was that when i started stand-up i think i was kind of naive in one way i had a, I had a thought of making it kind of quick i had a goal a big goal i mean i was sitting on the bus one day and i was thinking of my first show in Luben. Like And okay. I was gonna sell up Lubin. I was about to ask you what what
0: this mega big means <laughs> yeah, on yeah, Lubin. Yeah. Okay, so, <laughs> so it was
1: Lubin, I was thinking about how, how would uh, how it would be designed, the stage, and, and and I was thinking about things that I could do, in full, in front of a f- sold out Lubin. Hmm. And in the middle of these thoughts, I also stopped myself and I thought, yeah, maybe you should do your comedy debut before you're thinking about <laughs> Lubin. You know, so I was I I really knew what I wanted with stand-up. And I think that I took the, uh, how do you say, the the, the progress of like you know, Gustafsson, like how quick it went for him. Mm. And I was like, shit, maybe I could could go the same path. Because a lot of comedians that I met, when I asked them, like, what, what, what's your thoughts about stand-up comedy? Yeah, I'm happy if I could just perform. And I was like, okay, I want so much more. And when I said I wanted to be the, most fun, the funniest guy, in, the funniest comic in Sweden, he was like, what? How can you say that? That's hmm. actually my goal. That is what I want. I think that I always, when have every time that I've done something, I wanted to do something more than just do it. So I think that's when I look back through my life, I think always when I take things upon me, I always have a, a bigger goal than just, oh, it, it it's going to be fun. Okay. I want to really do something and I want to do it good and I want to be good at it. So, when I started stand-up, I thought, yeah, man, two or three years, and then I'm just rolling. Everything is going to be good, and I think I had, um, I wasn't, um, how do you say it, I wasn't just relaxed enough. And I had my work as a personal trainer, I didn't like it, I just wanted to quit, and my goal was always just to make money on stand-up so I could quit doing personal training. I think if I've have gone in maybe not as naive in how fast it could have gone and just be like, okay, I'm gonna give this five years or, or or seven years and see where I go. I still have the same goals of becoming the funniest guy in Sweden and performing in a sold out and everything, but I think I should just been not in such a hurry. Hmm. I think that was my biggest problem. I was in such a rush of making it. And now when I look back, and now when I commentate MMA and thing, and I can see fighters who just want to progress so quick, and I can see myself in them. And I also just want to tell them that, hey, just keep cool, be calm, train, exercise, get your workout, get your fights, and and, and then move on. Um, Because I I was just in such a rush. I just wanted to make it. I want to make it big and make it fast, and I just live my life. And and then everything would be perfect. Hmm. Um, and the funny thing is that, that I was doing also MMA things on the side. They just asked me, do you want to do this? Of course. You want to do this? Yes, of course. And I was just doing my stand-up. I just poured my soul into my stand-up. I actually never asked anyone for nothing within MMA. But they were just giving me work. you're awesome, man. You're so good. You want to do... You want to ring an ounce? Yeah, sure thing. You want to commentate? Yeah, sure thing. Comedy, 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 comedy and everything was just going good with MMA. Hmm. So I was doing my my taxes one year and that year I've made 60,000 on MMA. And I hadn't asked anyone for nothing within the MMA community. They just gave it to me. And I've made 2,000 on stand up. <laughs> 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 so when I saw it like in black and white, then I was like, okay, shit. I mean, something is wrong here. What am I missing? Why is it going so good within MMA and I'm not making money within stand-up? One, because I was naive in the way of thinking that how fast you would make money on stand-up, I I believe at least. So I just felt, it it just, the energy just started to drain and I wanted to do so much. And as you said, yeah, you did podcasts, you did this. I did too much. I did way too much. I had three podcasts a week. Mm. I wanted to perform stand-up. I was also working with MMA and I was also a personal trainer. I had no time actually for nothing and I think that having so many things made everything suffer nothing became I mean good everything was just okay so I never got time to work with the art of stand-up because I was planning my podcast and the next podcast and the next podcast and I was doing MMA stuff And, and also when I sat down and wrote I just wanted to write stories. And I felt that I wanted to go so much deeper into my stand up. I, I i didn't just want to make people laugh. I wanted to make them think. I mean I like George Carlin that way because mm. he makes you laugh, but you think. This the stuff he says, it stays with you. And and I wanted to do the same. Not just, oh yeah, I was drunk and then I went to the bathroom and oh and my mom almost there, yeah. <laughs> and, and all that stuff. I mean it's fun. I make people laugh, but I really wanted to make them laugh and think and I wanted to go so much deeper but I wasn't skilled enough in my art of stand-up to go deeper. But when I wrote stories, not, not necessarily stand-up, when I wrote stories and dialogue between people, then I could go deep. I could go much deeper and I could make stories about life, about society, how, how people work and, and everything. And I think now, if I would start to do stand-up, I would probably be in that way. I would probably go deeper into the stand-up, and I think I maybe I could do those kind of
0: jokes today, but yeah, I couldn't then. Yeah, let me ask you a question, yeah, question sure. on that front, because you're talking about writing. Yeah. The thing is, uh, when I saw you, I, m- I must have seen you just do a set now and then, but I just remember seeing you host all the time, yeah. and I really don't remember you having material. Like, I remember you had a bit about, uh something to do with like, what names meant.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that
0: would be a recurring bit. But otherwise, from my memory was, of just seeing you do crowd work, and you were very good at it. Yeah. Which made me very jealous, of i but I didn't do any crowd work then mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. I still don't, still really don't. Yeah. Uh, but if you if, if had that kind of like, like writing ability, yeah, why were you we so much more focused on on the crowd work? Or yeah. was, that, or was yeah. that was that hosting? Thing? No,
1: that, it, it's a good question. It's actually a real good question, and I've thought about that a lot too. Because I think maybe if I didn't do as much hosting, then maybe I would have become a better comedian. Hmm. Because when they asked me, "Do you want to host?" It's like. Yeah, okay, I can go and then I don't have to necessarily sit and make my my sets and my bits and I can improvise. I, I really enjoy crowd work. I love just talking to people. And uh, so I just got um how do you say it, fam. Comfortable comfortable. I just became comfortable and then it was okay, I can do crowd work and I can do MC and I get my stage time and it's good, it's fun. But then I think I cut back on my maybe sitting down and writing because I had podcasts and and everything you know so I've also thought about that and maybe if I didn't do much as much emceeing maybe I would have focused more on my on my own act on my own comedy but every time that I really sat down and wrote I just got into telling longer stories and making dialogue between people and it more like sketch comedy or movie scripts and and that kind of of storytelling that I wanted to do when I sat down and wrote. So in the end, I actually wanted to write a book and then I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to focus everything on just writing one book, Hmm. which I actually did. But it's not released because it's written like shit. But I still believe (laughs) I still believe in the story. But uh, but then I was I wasn't too. uh, I was I I wasn't I wasn't good at writing. I mean, in a book form, I did so much wrong in my writing. And when I look at it now, it's just pathetic. I mean it probably looks like it's written by someone who doesn't know anything about writing but i still believe in the story mm. so but when it comes to a book you really need to smith the words you know like make them the right way and it's different writing and then going up on stage and performing if you're going to write a novel it's a different thing but uh actually i did write a book and i just focused solely on that one that's like the first time that i actually felt 100 percent free in my writing too just like focused 100 percent. so I think that, that was more the thing. I, I, I wanted to tell stories that I felt that I I couldn't do within my stand-up. And, and you're right, it's actually a lot because I did did a lot of hosting. And in the end I was just... I don't know. I think it's different now because I see that people make money on the clubs. I mean, I didn't. I barely did it. I mean, sometimes, I gotta say, Last Lab Mafia, he did pay me. He did give me money from from, from time to time. But. Uh, most of the clubs didn't so it wasn't like okay i'm going here and i'm actually making money in the end i was like i'm just going here i'm not making money i'm just kind of wasting time and i'm making money on mma and what happens if i should focus on mma and and, you know i just started to think about all that and and in the end i was just like fuck it i just gotta i just gotta do less things and focus on one thing and try to do it good Mm. Or, or, or yeah actually do it much better so that was kind of the the breaking point for me the hosting point, point, not making money, and just feeling that I should want to focus on a book because I had a
0: story in my head that I really needed to tell. So, On the hosting point, I can relate. Yeah. Because like I said, like back back, back in the day, when I was performing as often as I was, then I, I lived just outside Stockholm, so it was easy getting in and out of town, and I was just performing, just, just doing sets. And then as time went on, eventually I moved out to Knipsa, which is long, it was like an hour outside the city. Yeah if i'm lucky uh with trains if it's late really late night it takes even longer to get home mm. uh, i was running my own club i was working as a host at mafia comedy and that's pretty much all i had time for mm. i I'd do like i'll just just host or i maybe i'll do one set at big band like at a rookie rookie club i do one set a month mm. and sometimes i didn't even have energy for that because i was just i was just so busy with the other stuff it was just too much as it was yeah. i felt that same I felt the same reason by the end of 2019 i, I felt so the same way like i'm just I'm not really getting anywhere, but I should really slow down. Maybe focus on doing some more sets more often. But at the same time, I've never had, I've never had any ambition. No. What's that? I know. I remember <laughs> that. <from> you <laughs> <laughs> you should fall into the category of oh, like, ah, I'm just happy if I can do
1: it. But I think it changes, which is obviously, I think it has done something for you because you don't continue for 10 years with just that ah, it's just kind of a fun thing i don't think so at least yeah so
0: still not yeah let's say i have no ambition as far as yeah. uh i don't expect to be a to uh yeah, next yeah, month yeah. uh or <laughs> yeah. i'm not going to be in movies or tv and there's not really much opportunity for that in sweden anyway it's not there's not this i think that the best you can hope for is there are like two top like tier one clubs that are in yeah. stockholm for the most part for most comics that's going to be like the end of that's the end of the road. We mm-hmm. weren't performing there regularly that's as far as the you rest you're not going to be on tv there's no wacky sitcom roles no. uh, on swedish tv or anything it's not like in the states or or in England but even that like I just I never never had that drive but my own personal ambition has just been I want to be the best comic that I can be.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like when I have when I have an idea or I'm, something comes to me I can imagine myself doing it in my head and then I, get, I can see myself like actually doing it act open, and the audience loves every word of it, and I'm confident and well spoken, and it's, everything I say is funny. And then I actually try saying it out loud, and it just falls totally flat, and I have to like rewrite. So I'm always chasing that ideal. Yeah. So I have that, and I have that level of ambition, hmm. and I'm sort of very passionate about standup. But that's as far as far as that goes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing with up. I mean, I think. I mean you can obviously do just because it's fun and i I think maybe the stages in sweden are more done for that kind of people because stand-up it's it's still kind of young over here and i think if you have ambitions like i had because because for me it was also the thing that i felt that i was doing gigs on on clubs i felt that i was good enough for the clubs that i was at i felt that i actually was one of the better comedians on most of those clubs and i kind, kind of felt that i wanted to be on norabrun or maybe performing on raw and stuff and i didn't like get i did perform on Ora Brun once i didn't get the chance to ever perform at raw but uh i don't know i just felt stuck i think i just felt stuck and i was like what's the point if i'm not even making money right now and i can do other stuff and also i really felt that i was doing too many different things a lot of people i think they think it's cool like yeah He's doing a podcast, he's even doing three and he's doing this and he's doing, he's got so much going for him. Yeah, but that's, most of the times it's just a problem. Hmm. It, it's better to have one thing and really focus on it. Like Tobbe Ström, he's obviously focused crazy amounts on his stand-up. And he's doing good because that has been his sole focus. But if you're giving three po- podcasts, two, something is going to suffer. Hmm. I think for me that, that was the case. Of, I mean... I'm very happy that they gave me a lot of of, of work within MMA because I am where I am today as a commentator for the UFC and everything. But I, I think if I didn't have that, I also thought, I've been wondering, like, what would have happened if the MMA thing didn't come in? And my sole focus would have been stand up because I was writing every day, every day. I was just writing, writing, trying stuff trying new jokes, going and performing, improvising, which is my strength actually as a comedian is to improvise, and mm-hmm. that's why I like the crowd work so much. But at the end of the day, I think there's just too many things that they, they kills what
0: you really want to do. You need to cut it
1: down to maybe one or two.
0: But going back a minute, uh, yeah. what was it about stand, just stand up made you say that's the thing? That's the yeah, For me, it started with acting. So I have been acting
1: since I was seven years old. I performed theater when I was thirteen years old. I've done movies also, smaller parts, but I've I've done two movies, and it was just one day. I've i I've, I've seen stand up several times, but I don't know what it was. I think I, I think I downloaded, if it was probably George Carlin. I think I don't know why, but I think I downloaded one of his shows. And that was like really the first time that I sat down and looked at a stand-up comedian. And what he did, how it worked, how the show was, and I was just blown away. Hmm. And at the same time, I also felt like, holy shit, that is me. I wanted to be this serious actor. And if you want to be an actor, you're not doing comedy. That was how I thought. That was my perception of things. And I think when I really opened up the floodgate for comedy, it just didn't stop because I am a funny guy. But I wanted to be a serious one and a, a drama actor or whatever. And I think when I really opened that floodgate up, it's just, it just didn't stop. I just couldn't stop writing. And when I tell my friends from school that I wanted to be a comedian, they like, oh, that is so you, man. You were always <laughs> telling jokes and that is so you. And I was like, holy shit, everybody knew it before I even did
0: so that's, that's how it usually works usually yeah. we, usually people say to their friends and family they're into comedy they say you're not funny yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly
1: exactly but friends from school like holy shit i can really see that in you always tell you were always telling jokes you were always like the class clown and and just making fun out of things and i was like it's kind of right and i saw george calling i was like shit. That, in some way that is me standing on stage and telling stories that is that is what i want to do so that that really catapulted the um, the drive of
0: trying comedy. I can see why Carlin would appeal to like an ambitious person because Carlin's method was yeah. he had he had one hour special at the end of the year yeah so yeah. he would spend the beginning of the year writing material working on small yeah. clubs do the one hour the year was out He would just throw all that away and just mm-hmm. start all over again. I mean the only comic I know of that actually had that was like inspired but actually had that same level of um of, of discipline mm-hmm. was uh, Louis C.K. yeah until he did what he did but it was <laughs> <laughs> good while it lasted yeah and, and, and that's
1: kind of what i what i think too because when i i don't know who i talked to it was a comedian and i said i wanted to do a show per year ah that's impossible you can't do it i was like uh, why not oh it, that, that, it's just too difficult why but does it yeah but that's bit I was like yeah so if fucking bit can do it why can i what why can't <laughs> i oh I man you know he, he writes all the time yeah i know and i'm ready to do it yeah, but uh, he's, he's famous and okay, and and that just fucking annoys me when 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 someone says they want to do something, people even in the business want to explain to you why you cannot do it, hmm. and it just drives me crazy. I mean, if you if your goal would be I want to have my one hour special in 2022 and it's going to be all new, I would say fucking go for it. Just work, work and go for it. But then, oh, it's gonna be so difficult. Like when I rented Boulevard Theater, a lot of people, no, everybody everyone doubted me. Everyone doubted me. Oh, you're not gonna sell out this. Uh, you know what's her name? She only sold 50 tickets, and I was like, I don't even know who she is. Yeah, but she's been doing comedy for more longer than you. So what?
0: But you think it, though it's different though that attitude within the community? In other words, like right, like right now, like you be mm-hmm. very supportive of me. But you're not a competitor. Like you're not one of my peers. You're you're out there, You're out, you you're a civilian now. You're out. You're outside of the business. <laughs> would you think would be more likely to maybe like on me or shoot my idea if you were a comic as well? No, I've
1: I've, I've never been that way. I think
0: I, I've never been that way. Then, of course,
1: to be honest, I, I can feel jealousy of people, of course. And, and I have realized that several times within stand-up also, oh man, this guy is performing there. I'm not, mm. but I didn't see that I had a, an MMA show on Aftonbladet, you know, which is just weird. But um, I think I've never felt like threatened if a comic wanted to run a theater and do his thing. I was like, man, just show them that it works. And actually when I did what happened afterwards, everybody started doing shows, everyone. Even us Nuyen hadn't even rented a theater once before hmm. I did my show. Afterwards, he rented. Everyone started. Dunk, 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 and then everybody just started doing theaters because it works. Field of dreams, build it and <laughs> they will <laughs> come. But it is really true. When I promoted the shit out of my show, and I had my YouTube channel, which was not not huge but kind of big, and I thought, dude, 199 spots, I can sell that out. It's no problem i just pushed for it i even made a trailer on youtube people came because they saw it on youtube so they came and i think if it was i mean i put out all my money by myself and i'm i wasn't at least a rich guy then so it was expensive for me to rent a theater but i was willing to take the risk and i think if you don't take the risk nothing will happen and and that is why i'm annoyed when people don't support you if you if you have a dream and you're striving for it and just people along instead then of course there are people that maybe shouldn't run a theater we got to be totally honest (laughs) too and maybe people thought that about me but i i in my head i knew that i have an hour i just gotta put it together the problem was that i had never performed an hour that was the thing i've done 20 minutes and i've done different bits and i had to piece it together but i did one hour exactly and i sold out and i got standing ovations and i think that surprised a lot of people And I've only done comedy for three years and then one guy said yeah maybe it's more more of a monologue than stand-up Yeah, maybe it was but I did it (laughs) in the end I did it so I think people should be should push one another forward and don't feel so much competition because I think if it goes good for more people then it goes good for you too and in the end the people
0: that you push forward might bring you along you never know if you, if you hadn't had that experience yeah selling out your own selling your own show selling out a theater for your mm-hmm. own show I would I think I' would understand better your feeling of uh, okay I'm not going to work any yeah but you you obviously built yourself up to the point that you could sell out a theater and you mm-hmm. did sell out a theater so why didn't you see that as like oh okay've I've made this step yeah now I can go forward did, did, I mean, was there a feeling of accomplishment after that was done
1: yeah I mean it's for, uh, for me I think I had um i got to think, it was really fun selling out that theater but I th- when, when it was done I was kind of just okay what do I do now? I think maybe I should have needed a mentor, someone you know just to push me in the right direction I was like dude you've done great, now we try this step. It was like I, I along the way had to invent my own wheel in some weird way. To, to to realize what the next step was and when i did my show and maybe i didn't get the opportunity to perform at like Nora Brun nor bra i felt kind of okay fuck it I, I did a show but now what i didn't know what to do hmm. and i didn't have amounts of money to just go on tour and promote my own show i needed someone i called Ruwa back in the days and asked them i told them i sold out i did this and do you want to help me with the show and they were like oh cool that you did it but Right now we cannot help you with too many comedians, blah, blah, so, yeah, I don't know, May I don't know, if maybe someone would have helped me then, it would have been a different thing, but, uh, as I said, I had, it goes hand in hand with my thought of doing three or four years, and then being here, in this spot, and I didn't make it, so, and, yeah, I was just making money on MMA, so, I think that, that's the, the reason. But I got to be honest, sometimes I get the feeling that maybe I should try to go back and do stand-up one more time. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it comes from time to time. But then I'm like, yeah, but do I really want to? I don't know. But I want to get back in the theater, that 100%. I don't know if it's with my new podcast, uh, Up Cina, Open Mind, if it's something like that, or if it's going to be comedy. But I want to do, do lectures. I want to do something. I want to I write again, and I want to perform. Uh, Within uh, Globen. One more time.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, We'll see. We'll see what happens.
0: How long were you actually active? Like, from from the start until you stuff I think it's like four and a
1: half or five years, I think. Because I know that when I, when I did the Boulevard Theater, it was exactly on the three-year point. I debuted like the 7th or 17th of September and I think it was the 25th of September exactly three years afterwards that I did that show. And that show really, I evolved as a comedian extremely on doing that show. I felt the gig before and after that was just miles apart. I had super confident going into the clubs and I think that's the thing that I, that's when I started doing more crowd emceeing and stuff too. And I, I thought about that too, that if I did this show and would have continued doing my own stand-up and my own routines and writing on that, I think it would have been a different thing. Um, because I know that emceeing was fun, but I also know that it kind of killed my passion for just going up and doing bits hmm. uh, in a weird way, but I really do love emceeing. It's, it's just a lot of fun. And I think a lot of MCs don't know how to MC, but I think that I actually understood the how an M- MC should work, because the majority of people, comedians, do MCing. They go up and they just do their routines, and that is not—that's me. Well, yeah. no, I wouldn't. That, that,
0: that. Sorry, Maybe
1: I'll Defend myself. <laughs> yeah, that, for, for me, that is not the work of an MC. The MC is should lay the ground for the comedian who's a, who is about to step up. So, if a comedian is doing good, just put the next one on, just put him on. If a comedian has done bad, then you do your own bits to get him back on. If a comedian has high pace and the low comedian goes up next, you need to take it down. So, you set the tempo after him and that is the real, I mean, that's when you're masterpiecing a show. When you see how each comedian works and then just set the stage for them. And you still have time to do your own bits, but for me it becomes a problem when someone goes up. Yeah, crazy time when I went to the subway today. <laughs> Instead of just getting them going, so my first five minutes was just to make people laugh and applaud. Like, okay, come on, man! Like applause is like fire and laughter and everything. You make it's like gasoline into a fire. Comedians will love it. Wow. And then they want to clap and applaud because some MCs go up and they just, just do their bit and the audience doesn't even know how to clap or laugh because we're in Sweden. They just want to be entertained. Yeah. So for me, it was just get them relaxed and then the show can, can start. Yeah. I,
0: I, couldn't, I couldn't agree with really you more when it comes to hosting. Yeah. Uh, and when I say I, I I have a routine when I host, hmm. but when I do a set, it's totally different. I don't, I, yeah. I don't go do a set. From my my point of view. If I'm hosting a show, it's not my job to be funny. It's, it's not my show. It's my job to do exactly this said. Get the crowd going and just get out of the way. And if a comic eats shit, then I'll go, then I'll, okay, I'll bring the energy back up again. Mm-hmm. But if they're doing well, then just get, get out of the way. I've seen so many shows the host went on into like five minutes after a comic just killed. Mm-hmm. And he's watch. you he can just feel the energy in the room just sink slower yeah. and lower and lower. Okay, now it's time for the next comic. I've also seen comics who are very low energy in their sets and be very low energy when they host, Yeah. also, and it's, yeah. you gotta you, be a cheerleader, it's your job, to, you're a right. hype man, that's, what yeah. that's all it is. But I, I don't do crowd work, uh, because I don't like it overall. Uh, I think you do crowd work very well, uh, yeah. that's why I like that. You but, know wh- why I did it very well?
1: Why you do it very well? Because I never talked to people who didn't want to talk to me. That's like the only rule you gotta go by. If they don't want to talk to you just move on. Hmm. A lot of comedians like, no, I've started talking to this person and I've got to talk to this person until he wants or she wants to talk to me, <laughs> so I'm just gonna continue and continue, which just gets so weird like ambience in the salon and, and, and it's just strange. If they didn't want to talk, I just moved on. Yeah, My intention was that if I talk to you, the other person is supposed to be jealous that I'm talking to you. That was my intention every time. And if they de- didn't want to talk to me, I just move on to the next. So everybody was supposed to feel like the chosen one. Like, yeah, he's talking to me today. Yeah. Fuck. I but love you, it. You
0: also, but you also didn't fall into the same traps that I see. I, just, I, just, I see so many like, comics, most especially, but also comics will do it, too, when they yeah. want to work on the crowd work. And it's just also a formula. It's like, hey, what do you do? Oh, you're a carpenter. I don't have a joke for that. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. we got the swingers over here. What? What? It's, it's the same pat stuff. It's yeah. just it just b- bores me. But when I see someone actually talking with someone, actually going oh, yeah. it works. I do feel sometimes as a host, I should do more crowd work, just because it would help the other comics out. Like if, if I find out mm-hmm. this person works in a certain field or this person goes to school, whatever, that'll be helpful for the comics. But at the same time, comics don't pay attention no. anyway. I've, no. seen, I've seen the same. I've seen comics ask the same guy yeah. in the crowd four times in one show, what's your name? What do you do? You pay attention to the comp before you would have found out. Uh, Yeah, I was I was thinking about that because I I went to mafia and I was looking at a show
1: and everybody said the same thing. Hey guys, how are you? Oh, we're good. Oh, you got energy for some more? Or as you said, they asked the same person the same thing and they have to repeat themselves. And I think comedians, they they really need to start listening to other comedians to see what they do because you can, one, you can base your entire set on other comedians Yeah. just making callbacks on everything they've done, callbacks on who they talk to, I mean you can make a good show, but they're just too into their own and they don't look at other comedians, they don't listen to what they're saying, they don't give a shit, they just want to do their own thing. And that is why many times when the same guy gets the same question for the fourth time, I think the audience also thinks, what the fuck has this guy been doing? Why doesn't he listen? And don't go up when you're the fifth one. Hey, guys, how are you doing? Everybody says that. Yeah. say something else. And and, and, and I think people need to, comedians need to start watching the show more. Because when I quit stand-up and just sat and watched the show, I was like, holy shit. (laughs) There's so many wrongs in what people are doing here. So I think you need to, to study the game, study the, the art too, which I don't think a lot of people do. And you need to watch other comedians, not just watch the big ones, but you got to watch the show, watch the people you're you're performing with, or at least have an ear. Even if you're talking to people backstage, have an ear and see what's happening. Mm. You just be aware what's up.
0: That's one thing about hosting too. Uh, a mm-hmm. comedy in general, something that uh, Bill Hicks said. Bill Hicks yeah. said, uh, "Never ask the crowd how are you all feeling tonight." He said, "He said, it's your job to tell them how to feel." Yeah, uh, yeah, I like that. I like <laughs> yeah, like it's that. true.
1: <laughs> it's actually very true. I think Fox News
0: have has the same thing. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> uh, one thing I was thinking about with uh, your your time period when you were active. Yeah, they, you came in with this grand ambition, going to clubbing, mm-hmm. uh, and then four and a half years decide to leave an ambition. Yeah. I think it's very interesting. I'm always very fascinated by this because Stockholm. I think it's a symptom of the fact that stand-up is so relatively new yeah. in Sweden. First of all, Stockholm, should a size, the city decides Stockholm should not have as many clubs oh, yeah. Yeah. as are available. But it's, it's amazing what a great opportunity it is. Mm. But if you go anywhere else in the world, you go to New York City, you go be in London or L.A. and you tell anyone you've been performing for less than 10 years, and call yourself anything but a rookie, yeah. they're just gonna scoff at you. But here, it's like I'm not a rookie. I've been performing for two months. I'm, I'm a, like there's no good word between rookie and established, but no one wants to be called a rookie comic. Everyone is just a veteran. I'm a veteran doing this for weeks now, <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I think that that is because I mean, to be honest,
1: most of the comedians are rookies in Sweden. Even if you go by the big big ones, yeah, I'm the oldest rookie you'll meet. Yeah. So, so so they're rookies too. I mean, there, there's not many comedians that have performed for ten years. I mean, when we were, when we were performing, I don't know how long. Butnier had performed at that time, or, or the other ones. Maybe they obviously have probably ten years, but they were established comedians within three years, because you had no comedians going, and that's the thing you can see with a lot of comedians at Nora Brun who have started early, who are actually crap. But they started early and they are like the old guard, Yeah, the big comedians, because they are like the five who started comedy in Sweden. So they're they're just going. I will not name names, but there are several ones of them who are just crap. And they go to the clubs and they perform just because they have kind of a name. And then other comedians, rookie comedians be, oh my God, he's so good. It's like, no, he's not. It's not even fucking comedy. He's just going up and talking and telling stories more or less so i think since if <laughs> we're going to l.a or, or i mean london england or the states they've had comedy for so long so the rookies know that i need my 10 years just grinding 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 and obviously you can leapfrog and 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 make it big before 10 years but i think if if i would have seen that instead and maybe gone in with that intention like okay fuck i gotta give this at least five years to just maybe not be called a rookie or maybe starting to get better rookie spots and i think it would have been a different story right. but here i was like holy shit on made it within a year hey i can do it Comedy's not that big it's young in sweden i can just go in and just take over kind of kind of fast
0: i love when uh bjorn's brother tried stamp a few times and uh when I was hosting I don't remember his name but but I do remember was when I was hosting mafia and it was would be on at being in the show yeah. I would say uh beats <clears throat> nights uh we have Bjorn Gustafsson's brother was, they were so excited for the first name and I think like, yeah. oh. uh, I think I did like three times and then he came up to me and said Hey can you stop doing that? I <laughs> 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 yeah, kind of a dick move. <laughs> yeah. I think you laid the ground for
1: him, not in a nice way <laughs> okay shit great, see if you can do it but, I mean it, it's an interesting thing I mean stand up it's it's interesting I when I look at it today I see it in a different way And when I watch com- comedians I see what they do and I kind of like to study and see how they how they work their sets and stuff and I think that's the same thing I've heard a lot of martial artists, MMA fighters, when they quit, they're like a much better martial artist today because they really view the fighting and they view the game, which I can do now with comedy too, I can see it in a different way and I
0: just, yeah, just I see more than I saw before, so. So if you came back to it today, do you think you would, because you enjoy, you say you enjoy improv, you enjoy the crowd work, but if you came into it now, yeah, would you go in that same vein, or would, would you would you actually, or would you more? If material? I were
1: the thing I've said to myself again, if I would ever perform again, it would actually to be to make it big. I I wouldn't go back just like oh it's a fun thing. Then I would MC. If I would just want to like okay I just need to get on stage because of I don't know a lecture or something, then I would MC. But if I would go back one hundred percent, it's like okay I'm doing a bit then it would be, my intention would be 100% to perform, rent out a theater or sell out a theater or something. I would not just go back and start writing comedy just because I just want to go in and have fun for a month or something. Hmm. So that's what I've said to everyone that's asked, that if I'm going back, it's just to be the best, nothing else but if i need just stage time or probably mc laughless asked me so many times <laughs> man you gotta come back in mc it's like yeah i don't know well you're still the voice of mafia
0: comedy i i know. I, I, I i thought know. it was the anniversary of yeah uh, many people thought that yeah uh, and they found out no, it was, no, that's probably. no they
1: made a pitch that i think they speeded me up in some way i think he slowed you down he slowed me so, down yeah
0: yeah. yeah 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 so i thought, I thought it was funny how would this feel? Uh, I'm curious because you know how comics are. So yeah. if you walk into a, into a rookie club again today mm. and there's 30 people in the room, 30 comics, yep. and they don't know you and they're not going to the time of day until you go on stage and then you're funny. Yeah. And then they'll want to talk to you. What's, what's how what you were feeling? What your reaction to that being? It's actually happened. I went to Mafia and, and to watch,
1: I think it was Toby was going to perform. And I noticed there was just, I think it was one guy I was really happy to see all the comedians. He didn't perform himself. So, hey, hey, hey. And he didn't know who I was hmm. at all. And uh, I mean, it didn't. I don't care, actually. I didn't care. It was just fun because I remember when I was the one that people wanted to talk to within the comedy stage. Now it's reverse, within MMA. People recognize me because who I am over there. But, uh, nah, to me that thing, it doesn't matter. I wouldn't, I wouldn't care.
0: I, yeah, so I, I gave him a friend of mine a hard time because he yeah. had, a, he had that experience, he had, been, he had been, he hadn't been to this club in, been mm-hmm. in a few years, had that, had that exact experience, just walked in and no one gave him the time day and he was so pissed off, he just like told me, he was like, it was the same like this feeling like, don't they know who I am? No, they don't know who you are. And comedy is so, so. yeah But the
1: people who know who I was was super happy to see me. The, 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 then it's in reverse. Holy shit, Paul, man, how are you? Are you back? Are you going to... No, no, I'm just watching. Okay, shit. So everybody who knew me, they were just super happy to see me. But uh, then there were people who were fans of comedy who didn't know who I was. Hmm. But I was like, I don't care. I mean, I hadn't done comedy. I hadn't done comedy in maybe two years then, so... And then some people do recognize me. Man, I've seen you once, man. What happened? I was like, no, I stopped. You got to listen to Ryan Puzzle's podcast. That's not that, <laughs> that <we laughs> <think so." laughs> But no, I mean, I think maybe one time I was very driven for like stardom or being recognized or being famous. Now today's, it's, it's not bad. Now I'm just driven by passion. With The things I do, I just do it because I love it. Mm-hmm. It's, and then... I think that puts me in a better spot today. I think if I could have gone in to stand up with this feeling that I have today, I it would have been a different story. But that was hey, I gotta quit doing my personal training. I gotta stop this and I, I need this to this to work so I can do this and this and this and then I will live my life. Everything was just based in the future, always. I never stopped and just was here. And that's actually what happened. I went to Canada. You remember my trip yeah. to Canada. That, that's when everything changed. That was the first time in maybe like five or six years that I actually took a vacation and just was with, I mean, hung out with people and made friends. Because even if, if we hang out at the comedy, no one's actually friends with no one. I mean, if, if you really look at it, it's most like, hey, this guy is funny. And this girl, blah, blah, blah. but there I got the feeling this is people who really see me for who I am and not for what I do. Hmm. So I got brought in and and just enjoyed life for two weeks, and when I got home, I was like, holy shit, I'm doing too much, I gotta gotta stop doing things, and that was when I started to, I mean, ending my podcasts, and maybe two, three months after that, I was like, fuck it, I'm done with stand-up too, so I think that that trip really, really changed me very much, going to Canada, it was just like a reality check that I've been just working, 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 working and never take a vacation, just work, work, work. Every time that I had a vacation, I was just writing, writing, writing and, and, and still working. And I never stopped. But those two weeks just changed everything. I didn't write comedy, didn't do anything, just went out on hikes, we went out to eat, we just hung out. And I was like, holy shit, is this life? What have I been doing? And I think also that is why when I quit stand-up, I mean, the ones that I talk to from time to time, there's Tobbe Ström and Lasfjö. Barely no one else I talk to. Hmm. But at that time, I could probably say, yeah, I have like thirty friends that are comedians. But you actually don't. So that was kind of my feeling too. That uh, it's it's fun and it's nice when you meet people, but you don't make friends. You don't make real friends in the comedy world. It's tough to
0: get close that many people. Yeah, I had that kind of reality check for me too. It was at the yeah. end, like the, again, the end of 2019. I thought, okay, but I better just like slow down and just, I said, just, just disconnect those barely on social media, I barely, just, mm. barely did anything for for a few months, and I was kind of surprised by how few people actually just reached out to say, yeah. like, hey, what's going on? Like, what's up? Hmm. Yeah. I, was, I know all these so many people. They performed my club. Where are they? But it was actually though told me. He's, he's like, he said, it's, it's like a job. It's like if you leave, if you work in office. Yeah. And then you leave the office, your old coworkers aren't writing you to say, hey, what's up? That's just- no.
1: No, but it's, it's, That's how it is. It's, it's actually, that that is how it is. I've run into people. It's always nice to meet people when you run into them. But um, I don't know. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a strange thing, I think. And I think a lot of people think that you're making friends and all that. But I don't think you are, actually you're just doing things for one another and then of course i mean you have people that really get to know each other and hang out and become like brothers or sisters or whatever but um that's that's what kind of surprised me with with the trip to uh, to canada i was like holy shit i spent two weeks here and i feel like i actually have 30 real friends and hmm. when i come home i was like yeah hey, okay they're acquaintances we do comedy yeah. <laughs> that was kind of <laughs> how it felt and, and i mean it's nothing wrong with that i'm not saying it's it's wrong it's just That's just how it is. It's just how it is. I think everyone is so focused on their own thing. And everybody just wants to get ahead and and make their mark or get to their spot that they want to do. So it's nothing wrong with it. I think it's just a... I think we walk into some kind of illusion. Like, I'm doing this and I get to know all of these people and they know me and they're my friends. But no, actually, just kind of buddies. It's not... Nothing more. Hmm. Then you find this one person maybe which you click and then you become friends for real. But I don't think it's the real friends you make there so and once again it's nothing wrong with that it's just i mean no i way. might be
0: more comfortable with it you know, as an american because that's where we have yeah a thousand friends yeah uh, and like one actual friend yeah i know i know probably we're, we're very surface people yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's good. so here's a question because and, and, and what many comics have said uh, over the years, the the the, la- the laughing laughing was like a, the laughter was like heroin. Mm-hmm. It's like well, the first time I was on stage, I got that first laugh. It's like, I, I had to keep going back for that. I had to keep going back for that laugh. I had, like I, personally, I never I never felt that. I never mm-hmm. felt. I was like never had any laughs. So, uh, uh, but I never I never had that drive. Like for me, it was all about. Um, I, I I I write a joke and I hope they're going to react a certain way to it and yeah. when they whether it's uh, applaud or laugh hard or giggle or groan and but they they do what i wanted to do then I'm really happy with that yeah but i don't have like this addiction of like i gotta get on stage i've gotta get the laughter did you have was that part of it for you nah
1: so, i mean i come from theater so i've been on stage since i was seven so the stage wasn't nothing new and since i came from acting and doing acting and 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 sounds like i'm a huge movie star which i'm not but i'm actually (laughs) (laughs) but i've done my 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 things right within theater and 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 movies so to me it's always been the drive to perform the laughter is awesome but it's not like oh my god i need more more laughter no I, i just love to perform for me to be on a stage and being able to do some something that makes people happy or make them think it's that's what what drives me and i think if the laughter would have been the thing i would have continued but as i told you in the beginning i wanted to make people think not just laugh to me making people laugh it's it's easy that's not difficult but to make people laugh and then leave with a thought that's the difficult part and that's where the real comedians separate from the rest of the rookies let's say Hmm. the people that actually make you think And I didn't just want to be a comedian that made people laugh. Maybe if I would have made a ton of money on just making people laugh, fuck it, I would have done it. But I wanted to make them think. And I always felt when I was writing like, fuck, yes, I make people laugh, but I want to go deeper. And I hadn't just evolved. I I hadn't done comedy that long. That's the thing for me. Maybe if I would have done five or six years, maybe I could have gone deeper and then maybe I could have done the stand-up that made people think, but for me, making people laugh is, and I don't say this to be cocky, but I think it's easy, but I want people to laugh and think at the same time. I want to make smart comedy that makes you actually think, maybe even change your way of being, because you hear a joke and it's like, fuck, it hits me. That is actually me. What am I doing? How how, how can I change my way of being? or Maybe start seeing something in, in a new way, just based of comedy. And I think George Colin he does that. Every time, he's like, holy shit, he is right. Like, what are we doing? What am I doing? Why is the world like this? And I wanted to do that. And I think George Colin could also go back to suit time and just go up, hey, you heard this crazy thing last Friday? <laughs> <laughs> but it's not. And I think for me, I if the laughter would have been the thing, I would have continued. For me, laughing is, is easy. I want to make them think, too. So I think I I always strive for something else. I want to make it bigger. I want to make people think and go home and reflect and react to what they've heard and not be remembered by. Yeah, this funny guy with the sl joke
0: going to Cafe Yeah. So. But would you have been happy if you were like you're like the Lenny Bruce instead of Joe Rogan, you're like the Lenny Bruce of, of Sweet, <laughs> where you're like just like, just this underground uh, with brilliant material that really made people think. Yeah. but you never made it, like you you were you were never a big success or anything, but you were definitely the 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 man's comic. Would that have made you happy?
1: Maybe yeah, 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 I think so. I think so. I think if if I if I could have written the comedy that that made that sort of impact, yeah, I, I would have continued. Yeah i don't think i would have stopped but this is once again where my naivety comes in i thought that i could make it in an in an amount of time i didn't realize that it needed maybe a crazy amount of work to make it so like i i I listened to an interview with dean koontz the author and he said that he gave himself i think it was four or five books And if he didn't make it by then, he was done. But he would write five books. And he would just quit his job and just write these five books. And people thought he was crazy, but his wife backed him up. She was like, okay, if this is what you want to do, do it. That just made more sense to me. He didn't write one book and think, oh, yeah, I'm writing a book. If this one doesn't make it, I'm done. Hmm. He actually knew I need to write maybe five books before I've actually written my first. And i kind of went into that mindset when i started writing i was like i'm gonna write five books like dean Koons. if i don't make it at least i've tried so i've written two but then i kind of stopped well, a lot happened with mma and i kind of got off of writing because i got the ufc deal here in sweden by playing all that stuff but that 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 progress i think or way of working makes makes more sense and that is not an naive way of looking at it and i think if i could have done that maybe with my stand-up like okay first I gotta know perform I can because I'm an I'm an actor in the since, since way back I've been acting so that that's not a problem. But okay I gotta find my own self, I gotta find myself, I gotta find my style, I gotta start writing and I gotta perform. Everything's gotta be interconnected and, and, and woven together and then become the art. And maybe it takes five years just to, to find myself in, in the way of a comedian that I wanna be. So I think if I wouldn't have been this, oh three years Bianco also made it, so I can do it in three years and boom everything Maybe if I would have had a plan of, like, I need this amount of time, I need to focus on my writing, I need to try this and this and this and this, and then it maybe takes these amount of years, and then maybe I can go here, yeah, it would have been a different thing, I think.
0: I get the feeling, though, that you are a really tough critic of yourself, yeah, though, so I, I wonder if those books will ever be released, because you said you looked them and they're, and they're just absolutely... No, scary. I actually sent them away.
1: Okay, okay, okay. Uh, okay they've okay. been sent away, okay. I just got... Refu- it's called Refusal. Yeah, Re- you know, when, yeah. yeah. No, the, the, and, and I can see the, the funny thing was with, with the second book that I wrote, I actually wrote much better, much better than the first one. The first one, I was the type of guy who read too much in English, which is a problem when you start writing Swedish, of course, because I never barely read my own language. Um, so there were a lot of faults, like spelling. Spelling-wise, I made crazy amounts of errors. Mm-hmm. On the second one, it was much better. I've learned a lot. But the thing was when I printed the second book. And it's in the printer and i think half was printer. i'll take it out i just see the page and see a meeting i was like, holy shit, i can change that to something better and i was like oh if that's the first feeling i get when i take it <laughs> out i gotta rewrite this one a lot so i was planning on on writing my third book but then just everything blew up for me within the mma community i started getting tons of work and i was like okay i'm gonna take a break from writing which was just so wrong um and I still have that thing in my head, like, I want to write more books. Hmm. I want to sit down and write. But that, that's thats where Dean Kuhn's part comes in, because you will never write your first book and just make it. I mean, it happens. I will not say it never happens, hmm. but you need to write several books. And I just thought that this book is shit. This one is work. This one's a little bit better. But maybe the fifth is actually a good book. It's well written and it has a solid story. So that was kind of my plan with, uh, with writing. And I, I just went in with a different different point of view of, of how to become an author. Read a lot in Swedish first and foremost, and you see the false idea. So and then you can become just better at writing. Just write, 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 write. Because if you're going to write a book, it's not just a question of having a good story, because books can be a shit story. But they just are just written in an amazing way. The way the words are formed, the meanings and sentences are formed, which is just holy shit. What is the book about? No, oh, it's about a tomato can and nothing special, but it's just <laughs> awesome. Whoa. So that's a different part with different thing with writing when you're writing a book. Everything has to
0: be one hundred percent. So and that was the problem I ran into because I had I had an idea for a book idea mm. that I got really excited about. And I, I could see it, I could see it. like, I knew how it started, in the middle, I knew how it ended. There was, like, some spaces in between, I wasn't quite sure, but I thought, I'll, I'll get there. Mm-hmm. And as I wrote, um, I was writing, like, dialogue between two characters, and I was surprised as I wrote, like, what they were saying to each other. I was like, oh, this is really exciting. Uh, and then I read uh, The Amazing Adventures of Kathleen and Clay, which is a Pulitzer Prize-winning book. Mm-hmm. And it's so perfectly written, that just made me go, I'm never going to write anything like this. And just stopped. Just never it's just barely like the idea in my head because it's perfect there rather than rather than waste time writing it down it's that's, like it's not like the same drive
1: i don't know who made that quote but it's you shouldn't look at the masters you should look at the one that are mediocre because that's where you can realize that you make it hmm. so ne- never compare yourself to, to the good authors you need to compare yourself to the ones that have a book published and it's okay and it's received I mean, good, good critique. But when you compare yourself to the Pulitzer Prize winners, of course, you will stop. I mean, if I would have looked at George Carlin and thought, hmm, I want to be him, I can't make it. I would have stopped. Hmm. So you need to look at the masters and see where you can go. But you also need to look at the mediocre people yeah. to see I can beat them.
0: And plus, remember that he actually worked to get to that point. Exactly.
1: Not, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, And th- that's another good quote. Never compare your first chapter to the 52nd chapter of someone else.
0: And let the one the quote I had in my, uh, had in mind say too, was uh, art is never finished, it's abandoned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's you can, true. You can always make it better, just yeah, always hold yeah, back yeah, to the printer, yeah. I can fix that, I can fix that. Yeah,
1: yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, you gotta find a, a, a part when it's good to stop, but I think the good part to stop is when you see something and you don't feel like, I can change this, 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 and this, and this. Just, okay, that I can change, but that's good, that's good, that's good. that's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. <laughs> but when you see it immediately, it's like, oh, shit, I gotta rewrite this one.
0: So, one question I have for you also was yeah. about, um, so you had this album to perform, mm-hmm. you really, really enjoy it, yeah. and you enjoy the improv of it. Why not, have you, have you performed at all since you stopped? Even once? Yeah, I did one lecture, but I haven't done comedy,
1: no. Oh, yeah, wait, wait, was that before or after? Actually, my friend had a wedding? It could have been that I've done, that I was done with comedy when I performed at his wedding. Because, in my mind right now, when I remember that I hadn't done comedy for some months, and when he asked me, I was like, I think I'd stopped. So there could be one, one time that I performed actually afterwards. Um, But no, then it's just a lecture, but that wasn't comedy. It was a motivation speech,
0: motivational speech. But you know, you could perform... if you want to perform once yeah of course you could do it
1: right away and i am performing i mean i do commentary every more or less every week Hmm. which also is i'm performing this just the audience doesn't see me but i'm still performing and i think of that way when i'm when i'm on tv i still think of ways that i can make the show fun i still work like the same way i am seeing when they have the walk in sometimes base the tempo off of the music they have or something like that so I, I still do a, some sort of performance when I'm uh, when I'm commentating sometimes also when I do my my own podcast I have, I have, I have episodes which I call Öppnar mitt I open my mind where I tell my story and I'm alone and that's also sometimes I go into some sort of performance and I can feel the comedy coming up sometimes and hmm. making jokes and stuff within this more serious and deeper because i i really like to go deep and talk about life so and that's when i perform but yeah to answer your question if i wanted to perform i, I could yeah so my question is why don't you want to <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think i think i can kind of answer it earlier it's because if if i go back and perform I, I it's not just i don't want to go in and just perform one time if i'm going back and i'm doing comedy i want to do it for real? If I'm not doing it for real, then why should I? Hmm. It's more, yeah, I think that that's the thing. Because I think also because I respect stand-up. I have a lot of respect for stand-up. I have respect for, for, for comedians who do sit down and write and perform and go out and, and, and do their thing. And for me to just go back just for one time, I don't need that ego boost. Then I can host the show. I, I, I could go back and host a show and that sometimes pulls me. Well, my, my answer to the
0: question, like when you say why, why would I bother, my, my answer to that would be because you do enjoy performing. Yeah, I do. So this but would just be you enjoying performing. Yeah, you, know. don't, you don't have to go all in just because you pick cell in the water. I think I'm just that kind of person. <laughs>
1: I think I have to do a lot all-in or, or not, so, mm. yeah.
0: Alright. That mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was a good talk. Yeah. Uh, so I'm thinking, uh, so for this for the podcast series, I like to end uh, each show on a war story exchange. Because yeah. that's the one thing I really miss about hanging out with our co- other comics, mm-hmm. is just telling each other about the, the horrible corporate gigs or the, the, the best gig ever of well, comics since we don't like do that too much because you shouldn't be that special. So, but, yeah. uh, just, so yeah, I asked you in advance to have something in mind for a war story. Yeah, yeah, yeah Would you yeah. like to go first.
1: Yeah, I, I remember one time when I was at uh, Big Ben. Maybe, I don't think I've even, maybe I've performed a year or something. So I improvised an act, 100% improvised. I just knew what I wanted to talk about. I had five things that I wanted to talk about. So I went up and I performed, I don't know, I just got into some kind of crazy flow on Big Ben and everybody laughed. I mean, everything was just crazy fun, they laughed. I killed it, 100% killed it. And one guy comes up to me afterwards, like, that's the funniest thing I've ever seen. I actually don't know what you were talking about, but I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> I was like, wow. And the next day, I was going to perform in That uh, Was it the Liffys or something like that? I don't remember the name.
0: Anyway, I was going to perform in... Uh, uh, Gravedigger, maybe.
1: Yeah, maybe, I'm, I'm yeah. It, anyways, I, I was going to perform in Södertälje. I was like, yeah, I'm going to perform that bit that just killed it yesterday. I'm going to go up and I'm going to kill. I go up and I start, and nobody laughs. Nobody. I was like, "Holy shit!" I just continue. Nothing. It was a one hundred. I think it was more or less one hundred percent bomb. <laughs> at least in my memory, it was nobody, nobody even laughed or just smiled. Nothing. I'm like, "Holy shit!" I went off stage, and that's kind of where I realized that a good performance at Big Ben doesn't mean shit. <laughs> It doesn't mean <laughs> shit if you have a good performance at Big Ben, because people laugh at anything at Big Ben.
0: So for, any, for anyone listening who does not know what Big Ben is, so <laughs> Big Ben is like it's like the rookie club uh, yeah. in Stockholm, and uh, it's it's a great room. But yeah. people are definitely it's really known for comedy, mm-hmm. so people really know to go there for the show. They're they're attentive and they're, yeah. they're good for the m- most part. But it's like you say. Uh, it's, it's not a good, I've, I've known comics over the years who say that Big Ben is at the, uh, the, the only place to perform or it's the only good club in town to write jokes for. It's like, no, because you'll, you'll never get an honest yeah. response. Never.
1: And I, when I watched Trump, when he's doing his rallies and everybody's laughing and they're applauding and talking, oh yeah, and he can say anything, it's Big Ben. But that <laughs> then when he went to the UN. And he was saying, yeah, United States, it's going better than ever. Yeah, he got laughs
0: at the one. Though. Yeah,
1: but it was quiet first. And then was like, <laughs> but he was like, yeah, I wasn't expecting that reaction. No, because you're not performing to your audience. This is not your audience. They won't applaud you, but he thought they would. He was like, okay, this works everywhere. And he goes in and he thinks it's going to do good. No, you're at Big Ben most of the time. And now you're in the real world and then nothing happens. You need to be much better and, and, and sharper than uh, so, so yeah that, that was kind of my when you asked me about this one i thought like, yeah that is the one. <laughs> Let us so, so I,
0: I was lucky when i started because there was cover fields around then yeah and cover fields <laughs> is just one of the absolute worst clubs i i love it to death I just okay. it was so bad i love it but that was a place i knew like okay if i could make someone smile like mm. Coverfields. I'll get a standing ovation of it then. That's when you know that this, this is a good joke. Yeah. I got a smile at this bar.
1: I remember when I performed at Copperfields because it was Collier... Y'all not know what, what was his name? Collaxa. Collaxa. Collaxa had a club and then was this lady too who was with him mm-hmm. in this club. Margrethe. I mean, she, she's got to be an idiot. I mean, so, sorry, but she, she's got to be an idiot because... I well, was actually
0: since starting in a movie with uh, Matt Damon. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> i
1: <I've> heard <laughs> about that. She, when I was performing, she was looking at me like I was dumb. <laughs> and she ran the club. And she was looking at when I did my jokes. she was like. <laughs> <laughs> While other people was laughing, she was like, who is this fool? It's like, I'm performing at your club, and you're looking at me like this, and you're sitting front row, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? No, to me, she was just crazy strange. But... Um... Yeah, so that was another experience, but I
0: got the rest of the audience laughing. If, if I didn't have this podcast, I'd have a podcast just about copperfields. Yeah. There's <laughs> so, so many stories. <laughs> it was another comedian who has
1: funniest thought about Copperfields like, Yeah but Copperfield is is, is really good. I was like why? Because even if they talk, it makes me still do my performance. And if I can do that, I can perform anywhere. I was like, really? I was like, yeah. I think Bro, go and stand in Kungsträdgården and do your comedy. They will pass you by. You can do your comedy. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Yeah. It was just a weird way of viewing it. But um, yeah, for him, actually, he, he, he thought it made him a better comedian. So, yeah. You can stand up the uh, highway, too, and <laughs> do your comedy and no one will laugh. <laughs> but sometimes it worked, though. I mean, it I, I didn't have bad experiences at at Copperfields, I I could get people laugh at Copperfields, but sometimes when it was just the drunks that didn't want to watch comedy, then
0: why why even bother, so. I don't remember, if you remember, uh, Henrish, Henrish Harder, uh, friend of mine, so uh, he was on stage there, uh, in the middle of the sentence, and there was a drunk playing, uh, Jack Vegas, the poker machine in the back, with his back to the stage, just turned around, just, shut up, (laughs) at the stage. (laughs) Did he stop or did he continue? I can do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Fantastic place. Yeah. I could tell a million stories about the place. But the, the story, there's one story I've got to tell uh, yeah. while we're talking yeah. to you. Uh, so this is back in the day. but So uh, Mafia Comedy was at Underbar Bar. And it was a Saturday night. And I, I don't want to be like one of those people that looks back at the past, like the nostalgia yeah. and it's like, oh, it was so much better in those days. But that, I think that was actually the most fun place I knew to hang out. Yeah. Because we had like a wrong like, area. The comics and hangout and then after the show it was a nightclub also yeah. so it was usually just a, like a fun time mm-hmm. so i was on stage and i did like probably like six minutes set i haven't been performing that long at the time uh at the time my big closing bit was uh i'll like, it was family friendly i told i told the crowd that i invented a pill for men <laughs> that would make a certain bodily fluid taste like chocolate yeah uh, so, so I did this ad I don't remember how it went, um, I'm sure I, at the time, I thought, like, massacred, of course, it was fantastic. Uh, but it was, right, it was probably a good night for me. But I know it was a better night for you, because the next day... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I actually started to think about that, I was like, oh, maybe he's for, maybe he has
1: forgotten about it, but yeah, no, you remember. And cool. if you don't
0: feel comfortable with this being on the podcast, I'll cut. Nah, I'll nah, nah, it's good, it's, it's good, it's, it's cool. Good. cool. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> so the next morning I get a text from you saying that you had started talking to a woman that was at the show, yeah, uh, hit it off, <laughs> and went home with her, and then she performed a certain act, <laughs> and then stopped midway at some point during the act to warn you there was one thing that she was absolutely not going to do. I'm quoting here, not even if you're eating those chocolate pills. Yeah, exactly. Like you were saying earlier about how like you <laughs> want to make the crowd think if <laughs> you're change their ways. <laughs> What better comment could I receive? That just that she was thinking of me in that moment and now you had to. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, <say> it. Exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was fun. I remember when she said I was like, holy shit, I gotta write Ryan, but I can't write now <laughs> when she's done maybe. Yeah, that was good. That was good. That's the things that happen when you do comedy <laughs> <laughs> women too.
0: I haven't done that for years, but I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I'm going to do it again.
1: When I, I, think can, think yeah, like okay. I think you should. Yeah, I that joke. I think you should, yeah.
0: that's <laughs> a good one. When you
1: started, I was like, hmm. Yeah, I do remember this joke. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Makes a different impression. <laughs> yeah, it did, it did, it did. <laughs> well, thanks very much, Paul. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening. You. Anything you want to plug? No, yeah. I mean, if you're
1: Swedish and you want to listen to my other <laughs> podcasts, you can listen to Öpetsinne, which I talk about life. And that's where I really do go deep. And I think that I kind of find my uh, found my thing. So Öpetsinne, check it out. And Instagram. Yeah, at pålevarje. Just go in. Don't, that's the one. Instagram is the one that I'm that most active. Facebook barely, but Instagram, that's the one. All right.
0: Thank yeah. you very much. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Stay strong. <laughs> Thank you.